Hello, one and all, and welcome to the podcast we call The Fantastical, with myself, Stephen Nussbaum, in the podcast, where I invite my guests to come on, talk to me all about their musical tastes, their memories, their experiences, and they get to collect their fantasy festivals, which I have christened Fantastivals. We are now on episode 140. I cannot believe we've done 140 of these bad boys. Thanks to everyone who's listened to, if it's one episode, if it's all 140, your support uh, doesn't go unnoticed and is massively appreciated. Now, I can't believe, 1st of October, right? I can't believe we're in October, so the year is flying by. And before we start this one, I just want to say a massive thank you to Ian Key, who was my last guest in the 139th episode. Great guest, great guy. He's got a great show called The Indie Brunch. If you haven't listened to his podcast or his show, which is available on Mixcloud and on Louder Than War Radio, make sure you do because you will be in for an absolute treat and won't regret it. So thank you, Ian. That was 139. And let's go now to 140. And this week, it's a triple header as I have three members of one of the best bands around Picking up where their fellow heavy North bandmates Kenny, Jose and Steve left off in episode 96. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Andy Horrocks, Mark Rice and Jack Birch. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Guys, I saw you at the Water Rats uh, earlier in the year. We discussed the remaining members of the band coming on before your brand new album came out, which uh, I'm really excited to talk to you about. And thank you for making the time to come on. I can't wait to hear all about your musical tastes and experiences and everything heavy north. But before we do, I always like to ask my guests how they're doing from a mental health perspective. I think it's really important we talk about it, make sure everyone's all right. So, Andy, as you're on my screen first, I'll start with you, mate. How are you? I'm very well, yeah. Even better for being here, mate. Thanks for having us on. Mate, pleasure. Jack, how are you doing? Are you well? Oh, great, thank you. Yeah. I mean, general general Monday vibes, really. But, uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be great by Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been, been in work. It's a bit of a moody day, but, you know, I'll get, I'll get by. Jack, I'll get <laughs> by. And Mark, how are you, mate? Not bad, man. Uh, a bit battered by hay fever today, and then I've just been having to do a punk session on drums, which wasn't fun, but it's, it's a bit battered and a bit tired, but other than that sounds. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, let me stick with you, then. So, let me take you back. How did you first get into playing music, and what were your, like, your earliest musical memories? The air, so... This is the funny thing. I don't fully remember how it happened. My, my whole family plays guitar. So my mum and dad, they met through playing guitar. Like, I mean, the mum worked in a music shop and stuff. So it's always been there. But my earliest music memory is just being asked if I wanted to go to drum lessons. I think a mate of mine from school was going. I was a bit of a sort of like, do you want to go with him and, and have a go at it? Like, uh, So my earliest memory is being about eight years old, just in a group of about 20 kids, all just getting up and having a little bash on a drum kit, learning our first beat and everything. I don't really remember how, how it came on. So I think, I think just because my whole family's musical, it just kind of went that way. And yeah, and then we started, so my earliest sort of experience was playing in, we used to play djembe and like, you know, African percussion ensembles and everything like that. So my earliest memory is doing big concerts, like we were all playing traditional African instruments and like um, djembes and stuff like that. And then going on to the music service, where I was doing like the wind orchestra stuff before moving on to bands and that. So that was my earliest sort of experience before going on to the band scene. So Andy, what about your memories and how did... Obviously, you play the bass in the band, and I'm aware that a lot of bass players don't start on the bass, will start on a different instrument. What was your earliest musical memories and your journey into the bass? Into bass, particularly. Um, it was only when I started in the Heavy North, uh, really. I remember turning up for the first session with my guitar, and they were like, if you got laughed in, and I was like, <laughs> I thought I was playing guitar, and no, no, you're on bass, so I had to go and buy a bass to then be in the band. But then I bought like a short-scale Mustang bass to... Which, like, on like some of the earlier photos up until like maybe a year ago, I bought a long scale bass. I started 
um, doing a couple of lessons and stuff, just like getting technique better, just getting like cramp in my hand and blah blah blah, like so the usual, like tie some stuff for like bad technique because I always used to playing guitar, and then yeah, from then really just sort of took off. I started doing like loads of different uh, genres and stuff, but like lessons and just enjoying like writing again. Really, I, I went off, I went off writing for a fair bit until I started playing bass again with the band lads, and then um, yeah, you find your way again in, in a new instrument, I guess. So. Yeah. And Jack, what about your early musical memories? Obviously, you play guitar in the band. So tell us about your journeys and how you got into playing the guitar. Yeah, of course. Me, yeah, I, I feel like a few, like most people had a few good influences. So yeah, me, me Uncle Danny, my dad's brother, he's quite cool. He, uh, he got me playing guitar at about 12. He started me off. Got me into my first like, couple of proper bands that I really took to, which would have been like Pink Floyd, The Doors, um, Stone Roses. Uh, but then I've got two older brothers as well. They were like, quite a bit older, like 12 and 14 years, respectively. So I like, they were in their pomp when I was like a, a kid. I'm talking about mid to late 90s. Um, and I've, I've just, I've kind of grew up to develop uh, my oldest brother's music taste gallery, just like totally aligned on everything we listen to. But my other brother, Sam, like I say, he's, um, it was a mid, mid to late 90s and he's always been like really current on on, on, on music and he always had a fast CD collection. It was a lot, a lot of bit pop like around about that time. So he, uh, he got me into some cool bands as well. I remember he like uploaded a load of um, cooler shaking singles onto me at, at one point, and he's really into suede as well. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't say the same about Sam. Um, he's, you know, there's a lot of stuff he listens to that I wouldn't normally listen to, like Madonna, Kylie. <laughs> we're, not, we're not aligned on that. <laughs> but no, we'd, I'd, there's a couple of things I could credit him for. Suede, he's banging to suede. He even modelled himself on on Brett Anderson at one point. Uh, yeah, you know, really like them. So yeah, just everything. Yeah, they listen to I kind of took to, and then yeah, guitar playing. I just yeah, I, I just I, I never never ever sort of. I was just on a on a kind of trajectory. Then yeah, twelve, I picked it up, and those first couple of years were like really, you know, I, I didn't really do much else. So I was just hammering guitar. So I, I, I yeah, I got all right in it's quite a short space of time, and then I've always I've always managed to stay in bands pretty much all you know ever since then. Yeah, well, so, uh, first got into bands. Probably late teens, but I've kind of always had something on the go musically, uh, you know, and guitar. Mark, I feel like I kind of cut you off as you were about to kind of give your story into <coughs> band. So you started off playing drums in percussion and found your way into band. So tell me about your journey into 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 the heavy north and before that, I guess. So before the heavy north, it goes back a little bit. Actually, I won't do all of it, but I've been in quite a few bands of varying degrees of doing stuff like some of whether they recorded or were gigging like probably about 10 bands or so so i've always been in bands in some form the earliest one was just around the time everyone in my school started getting into guitar when i think we played the school was like a battle of the bands or something i think it's like year nine year ten and that's when everyone saw so i go oh, i want to you know, play guitar and and who oh, plays drums i've always been playing drums since i was about eight so i joined a few bands then before the heavy north i was kind of just milling about playing in different bands like i was i was sort of getting into the session sort of stuff playing with a few people and uh, that's how I kind of met Jose and everyone because he, he's our producer as well he has the studio upstairs and that and I just got invited yeah so just after milling about doing a few sessions playing in a bunch of bands around Liverpool I ended up just being invited to, uh, to the studio one day for a little jam same as same as Andy same way he's ended up with the voice and everything uh, I just went from there and why do you think I guess this is a question open to all of you why does the Heavy North work so well right because the six of you obviously have a, a, an amazing musical connection and I feel like as soon as the, a riff comes in from the Heavy North you've got your sound and it's very kind of stylistic it's you know it's you guys so I guess you guys are playing the music I mean how does it feel in terms of the connection of the band and the sound it's good I think like in 
but different influences as well, because like, obviously we're onto different sorts of styles in music. But, like, I wouldn't necessarily sit down and listen to the genre of, like maybe we play, you know what I mean? Sometimes you would, but sometimes you wouldn't. So like, but then Kenny's like banging to his like blues <coughs> music and so is Jack as well and Jose. Steve's more like that Doors and Keys influence and uh, Marco's into like some sort of the heavier stuff, but like complex beats, beats behind it, I guess. Um, so like when that all comes together, you're sort of mixing different genres and then I guess, I don't know, that, that's what comes out of it really, I think. Um, I think maybe, obviously, the, the, the rhythm section is sort of tighter because it's got more of an understanding of the influences, but then you get like that bluesy sort of vocals from like obviously the influences of from Kenny and, and then the guitar riffs and like the the, the writing style from like Jose and and, um, and Jack as well, you know what I mean? So it's 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 that sort of merged together, I guess. I mean, anyone can jump in and, and correct me as well. But... Uh, I think like what what we do together is kind of what what we align on, isn't it? Like the the core thing, like the blues and the, the sort of um, the blues rock type thing. And we, you know, and we, and we're just like a good team, really. We just like we all like sort of have a, our own little part of the soundscape, and yeah, it just works. Yeah, I think like we've maybe got a bit bit more of an understanding as it's gone on as well, because some of the early stuff, you know, since it's probably more like. Uh, like four notes on on the bass, for example, and like maybe like a solid rhythm on the drums, and then like the chords sort of follow the the bass follows the chord progression. But then as it's sort of gone on, the vocals have done its own thing, the bass done its own thing, sort of so layers our instruments, I guess. You know what I mean? So. Well, I was going to add to that then was just what you said before, Andy, about like uh, you wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily listen to it. I'm kind of, like to our style. I'm kind of the same. My thing has always been I'd rather have a band where I like hanging out with everyone than a music a, a genre I listen to you know what I mean so I've been in bands where it's like yeah it's a style of music I listen to but we haven't gelled or or the yeah the, or the vibe isn't there or something like that but with this one it's like I, I value that where we can all get along and we all work together well over what we're actually playing and then what, what we do play lines or because there are some corresponding influences I think it works well like I, I think that's that's always been my my thing where it's like it's all about the hang than the actual the actual music yeah Good on that, being a band with your mates, isn't it? Yeah. And you can tell that that comes across when you're on stage together, that it's a really tight bond and it's a very well oiled machine, especially uh, the rhythm section, I must say. Fantastic <laughs> stuff going on there. So I'm not going to cover the debut album too much because obviously I had the rest of the guys on, we've covered that in detail. Since then, obviously, you've had some phenomenal live dates over the past 12 months. You've gone away, worked on a new album, you've released the singles Where Are You Now and Round Again. So kudos to you, gents. And recently, you devious boys dropped a new single, right? So you dropped Give a Little Love, just like that, without telling anyone. So firstly... Is it out? <laughs> Someone's saying we had no plan whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't doing. <laughs> so I guess as a starting point, gents, tell us about the song, Open to, open to Anyone. How did that song come about? And tell us a bit about, about the idea behind the song. From we people. <laughs> Yeah, well, it came out of Jose originally. I think I think he was trying to write um, um, a surf vibe song, uh, so it, it very mildly falls into that category. Obviously, just like like a, the Dawa style at the core, but we've kind of this this album we forayed into a, a few different like genres that, that, that quite quite diverse from one song to the next. And I think that's that's that was the vibe how it started off. We wanted to have a little dabble into surf because I, I I love surf. I know Jose really likes it, and a few of the other lads too. Um, yeah, it's like, yeah, it, it, Jose, it, he's just, he's, he's a machine, like, he'll, he'll just, he's in, he'll be in the studio, he can just map out a whole song, and then we'll all just come in and add our bits, and 
I think we've refined that a little bit as well. I mean, not refined, but like, you know, we're still working on it. But compared to how we did Electric Soul Machine, which was like staggered and kind of like all over the place because of like obviously lockdown and stuff like that. This one, we, we kind of went into it like, okay, so we jam it out live. Then we then we multi-track the sorts of bits, replace the bits in the track, they will replace. And, we, and every song was kind of done the same way as with Electric Soul Machine. We were jumping, we were doing it like one was done live, then another one would be done multi-track. And then this one, it was just, like say, Jose comes in, like Jack said, Jose comes in with the idea. We all jump in and do our parts. It was very streamlined, wasn't it? So yeah, It's a bit more yeah. of a collective, I guess, this, this yeah. time as well, which was, was quite nice, rather than being left to your own device and having to sort of guess what someone was doing. You, you can there and you can see it, have your own input, and you go, why don't you try this or try this, and you can bounce off each other a bit, I guess. So I was going to say, normally the second album, so by the way, the album Delta Shakedown out Friday the 24th of October, it's a very anticipated album that people are really looking forward to. I was going to say, normally the second album sounds, or is normally a bit more difficult than the first, but it sounds like the actual process of the second album was a bit easier than the first one when you take Lockdown away and the actual kind of combination of all you guys, and obviously you played together now for much longer than what you had done when the first album came out. So fair to say a bit of an easier process this time. I think so, yeah, and... I think people like Marco's sort of techniques on the drums and stuff, but I've sort of like honed into his sort of stuff a bit more on this album with the first time. It was more like maybe looking at like what the melody was doing on the guitar or like trying to follow the root notes of certain things and went away and learned a few more things and then sort of listening to his rhythms or like maybe sort of for the verse on the, what was it? The verse on Delta, where it's like keeping that. Uh, that solid beat all the way through it, that just the kick drum as the as the riffs keep going through it, but then on the on the verses, just it goes off into its own melodic thing. So it's so it's like you start like touching other people's influences, even though they're not your own. You can you can influence each other in the band a bit better. And would you say then that I guess as individual music musicians, you're better at your instruments now, and I guess collectively as a band, you're also better now. It's good to say. Definitely, definitely as a band, definitely, yeah. Yeah. What was that? It's good to say, yeah, in case someone says no, he's fucking shit. <laughs> I've got to say this to the other boys. Well, you're doing well. <laughs> so, no, no, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely better with, with working together and the team dynamic, I think. Yeah. You mentioned, I guess, kind of a few more different genres. So, I guess, musically, what what is, um, how do you say this differs to the last album? Obviously, you've built up a massive core fan base who love your sound, but what, what can they expect from the second album that maybe wasn't on the first album. I think more, with this one stuff, isn't there? I think there's a lot more like melodic sort of themes throughout. I think, I think we've tried to bring in our influences a bit more to a, to a degree as well. Like like similar similar to, to Give a Little Love, we've we've said it more, okay, we're gonna try and write a tune like this. Now we're gonna try and rewrite a tune like that and pull in from our influences and, and you know made it diverse in that way. I think um I think one thing that's different from the first album, there's a lot more texture on this one. I think that's down to Jack quite a lot because even when we're playing old songs that he's because he joined after Electric Soul Machine, it, even playing old songs now, he's added little layers and little things that I, I can't unhear now uh, on the old tracks, like whether it's a little bit of tremolo or a little bit of slide, and and that's all over the new one, and that uh, that's a so that's a nice it's a different touch to to the last one, and that's I think that's that's down to Jack, um, give it a bit more. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, it's the yeah, first, first album I've played on. Sorry to put you off there, Mike. Sorry, go on. Go on, you know, you, you, I was I was trailing off. You take over. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, yeah, so uh, yeah. <
I'd, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't play an electric soul machine, uh, and a lot of what, what I was there to do for that, because I played all the live shows for it, but uh, really I was, um, I, I came in and the main kind of goal was to, to um, pull off live a lot of the stuff that Jose did in the studio, so he played guitars, but obviously they were limited on guitars for the, for the live scenario, so we were replicating that and just adding, yeah, adding little bits of the, the sauce where occasionally where, where possible. So with, with this one, it's like, um, I had to kind of find a, a little, again, I used to tell like part of the soundscape because I, you know, I kind of fill in a little bit. I tried, I tried to fill in where Kenny leaves off and Jose starts and, and try not to overlap too much into the two of them. But again, it's, you know, it, it, it has worked. You know, we've, we've got away with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it worked. Do you know what? It works well. And seeing you, <clears throat> seeing you live, I, I kind of completely understand what Marcus said. Like, Jack. Although you might not be front facing so much and you're not lead so much, you are doing these little fills and riffs and, and getting into these little pockets of groove. And Andy, your bass lines are, are doing these little fills that you might not hear on record, but when you hear them live, you can hear you can hear it more. So, yeah, kudos to you, gents, for being uh, an amazing rhythm section of a great band. So, along with the album, there's a lot of activity with it, right? So, first up, and again, if anything else that I don't mention, feel free to it. I, I got a listening party, and that's taking place at 9pm on Wednesday, the 18th of October. You should probably remember that. I probably put that in my diary. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's then, isn't it? Yeah, sounds okay. Delete that. Edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> so you boys all be together? Yeah, keep it in. Keep, keep it in. Keep it in. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you boys, are you all together, or will you be going off your separate Twitter accounts? How are you going to do that? I think so, yeah, separate stuff. Normally we all, I think, uh, usually Steve sort of jumps on the main, the main, um, switchboard and then we'll sort of, you know, our own little thing sort of trying to replicate, but yeah, probably doing a, a worse job, but yeah, he'll be on the main <laughs> switchboard, as I say. I'm, uh, I'm not on Twitter, but I am logged into the band Twitter, so I'll be on the band Twitter, not touching anything while Steve does, uh, <laughs> pilots it. <laughs> I'll do whatever Steve tells me. <laughs> Steve's the captain. He's uh, he, he drives the ship. <laughs> he drives the ship. And then you've got a busy weekend after the listening party, right? You're in Wax and Beans uh, over the weekend and at the Jacaranda on the Sunday as well. So busy weekend for you boys as well. Yeah, looking forward to getting back into, especially those two places as well. Obviously, they've sort of been kind to us over the years, especially from when we first started as well. And then uh, Wax and Beans as well. Ben over there has obviously done a, a cracking job with... Um, the pre-sales of the album as well. Um, so he's obviously helped us out massively. Sort of took up to that little level above where obviously we sort of didn't know where to, to take it. So obviously he sort of held our hand a little bit, I guess. How excited are you, Jensen, about the album, right? I mean, this is the calm before the storm, I'm guessing. It's quite nice. You've got about three weeks before the album hits. How how excited are you, are you for people to hear the album? Uh, on a scale of one to ten. We can go one to ten. <laughs> no, yeah, 11 11 no no yeah no yeah it's going to be great i mean i'm looking forward to playing it more more so really you know, like a lot of tunes that we like like andy said we are going uh, we've, we've not learned like and kenny's said it on in previous interviews like we, we've got this funny thing because we'll, we'll go and lay guitars in the studio so we've recorded songs and people have heard them and we and we don't actually know how to play them yet you know that's a new thing for me in span it's like the, the idea of Recording a song you've never played live. All the bands have been in before. We you'd hammer songs live before you actually record them, and and now it's like because there's a little bit of anticipation, people, and you're kind of prepare, you're, you're preparing it before you take it out live. That's the that's a new thing for me. Is like getting getting the studio, recording a song, and then it's like 
I'm going to play this live now. How did I play that? I can't even I can't remember what we did. Like, <laughs> yeah, a bit nervous about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's, loads, there's loads of songs that we've really enjoyed recording. And I just really can't wait to play live. So, yeah, look forward to that. And in terms of playing live, you got, as well as like the in-stores and the weekend of the album launch, you've got other gigs coming up, right? So you're at the Cavern on Wednesday, the 4th of October, for a very special gig, a tribute gig for Kieran McKay. Well, it's that one as well, obviously. Uh, it's coming up Sunday, so um, obviously beforehand, people will probably know that we've got a bit of a surprise for, for that gig as well that we've been working on together collectively. A um, bit of a tip of the hat to, to people involved. So really privileged to get invited as well, yeah. Yeah, so it's obviously great to get invited and it's great to be a part of it. So um, it's obviously we've made something to, to give back. So yeah, looking forward to that one for sure. And then the big one in Friday, 1st of December. It feels like you have big December gigs, right? Since I've been aware of you, there's always a big heavy North December gig in Liverpool. Not different this year. Friday, the 1st of December at the Camp and Furnace. I mean, that show promises to be massive. Yeah, I look forward to that. the pinnacle, some might say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've got some, uh, some rehearsals lined up with the... Uh, the other you know, band members as well. Well, the people who join us for the proper gigs, anyway, shall we say? <laughs> got some like the, the the added rhythm section. Obviously, got the the backing singers and then um, brass instruments and sort of different parts of that as well. So the join us and then we've got the quartet as well jumping on board. So we've got a gig coming up where we're gonna obviously start rehearsing with them live as well. So it's good to get back in the uh, in the rehearsal space with other musicians as well who are playing the same songs. Great stuff. And if anyone is listening to this and hasn't ordered Delta Shakedown yet or hasn't bought tickets to see you guys, how do they do it? How do they find you? Where's the best place to, to get everything that they would need to from the Heavy North? Um, Pen's Instagram. Uh, TheHeavyNorth.com <laughs> <laughs> So HeavyNorth.com HeavyNorth.com that's, that's pretty much everything, links to everything, like the, the Bandcamp, the, the online store, all the social media pages. Um, that That's, that's the, the best place to get to everything. Great stuff. So... Gents, in terms of your own musical taste, then you've mentioned kind of heavy North fuses a lot of different musical genres. Again, I'll start with you, Mark, on this one. What are you into, Mark? What what genres are you into, and what are you listening to at the moment? Um, to be honest, yeah, I, I, mainly like I said before, I, I do like heavy stuff, but that can mean a broad things. I was always into like quite a lot of punk and pop punk and metal and kind of like, like like strains of that, like metalcore and stuff like that, but. Yeah, I like riff-based stuff. I like, I like stuff that's that's quite heavy, whether it's instrumentally or... You know, but then there's a lot of pop that's heavy. You know what I mean? I'm just, there's a bit of Post Malone and Billie Eilish lately. That's got some heavy, heavy sorts of, like, themes to it. But yeah, all, all sorts, really. What I'm listening to right now, listen to a lot of a band, like, Canadian band called Counterparts. Uh, saw them live last month. That was decent. Like, they're, they're, again, they're quite heavy. None of this ties into the heavy north, really. <laughs> so, yes, I, I, I keep joking. Oh, heavy. Except for the... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I keep joking that at some point I'm going to sneak a blast beat into a heavy north song. I'm convinced I can do it. It, it like in some way because because you can there's, there's there's ways like you know, it comes. Like, I think the earliest blast beat kind of comes from jazz in a weird way. So I'm convinced I can do it, and no one's going to notice this, and I'll be happy. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I've lost my train of thought now. But yeah, then the stuff that kind of ties into the heavy north a little bit more as well. Like um, my biggest drum influences probably actually come from the from the not so heavy end of the spectrum like i'm really into a band called death cab for cutie which is like an american indie source of like they come from like the sort of original sort of emo source of like scene and their drummer jason mcgair uh the way he plays and records drums has always been a big influence how he, he, he kind of it's it's not like he doesn't really think about how he's going to recreate it live i don't think there are all these very very specific sounds to the song 
which I've never dived too much into, but I really want to in the future. And then what else? Bands like the Gaslight Anthem, which is a bit more like in the bluesy punk mm. sort of end of things, which is how I sort of see myself fitting into the heavy north a little bit, kind of bridging that gap a little bit between the blues and the slightly heavier stuff. So, yeah. Great stuff. And Andy, what about you? What, what genres of music are you into? And any, any one or anything that you listen to at the moment? Yeah, what I'm into is um, it's more like, at the minute anyway, uh, it's a lot of like funk stuff, more so because it's more like bass driven, uh, like just, just to get inspired by like different bass sounds and uh, different tones and whatnot. But yeah, so big like like jazz instruments as well at the minute, there's all like lessons stuff I'm doing, like just sort of learning like modes and scales and all that boring stuff basically. Um, just like getting into like Jacko Pastorus and um like big Joe Dark fan at the minute as well, like sort of learn lots of his stuff and just get like metronome and like sixteenth notes and just keep it into like a sort of solid beat really. Just that's when like sort of home into to Marco's sort of influence a bit because like it's just solid like on the beat. So it's it's good to like just always try and maybe fit like sixteenth notes in if they can be fitted in and just like just try and like up your game maybe a little bit, you know what I mean? So it's listen to people who are trying to make you when you learn their stuff, it takes three weeks to learn it, as opposed to you can learn it in two minutes, because, you know, it's just root notes or whatever, you know what I mean? So a lot of, like, Joe Dart stuff at the minute, like Wolfpack, if you've listened to them, or, like, Theo Katzman, um, amazing, like, musicians. But originally, it was more like a punk stuff, like The Clash, Sex Pistols, Joy Division, that sort of, like, heavy, sort of, just had something to say, really. Um, so I guess it was that. But I guess it was always more like a bass or bass or like rhythm section, never more, never more like a lead side of like sort of guitar virtuosos. It was more like a, a rhythm or a, a, a bass sort of drive, you know what I mean? So yeah, that's that's what I'm into at the minute. And Jack, what about you? What uh, what are you into and who are you listening to at the moment? Right, so uh, I have a couple of different categories of what I listen to. So obviously I love guitar virtuosity like any other guitar player. So uh, there's this music that I listen to as a player. And then, you know, general bands that I, I listen to just for, just for pleasure or ambience or for, you know, for different things. Um, so, yeah, as a player, I'm, I'm obsessed with um, Philip Chase. Um, and, and I suppose I've got, like, Hendrix and Stevie Ray Vaughan to, to thank for him. But what he does, it just, like, Hendrix on steroids, do you know what I mean? He's just taking that up a notch and just plays with such aggression. And, and I love the, it's like the... The thing that ties into Hendrix and like guitarists like Robin Trower and the stuff he does with like a Univibe and uh, like Fuzz Face and Strat Tones and stuff like that. I just that's 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 me as a, you know as a player. That's what I love. Um, but then yeah, and, um, everything else I listen to. So if, if it was in the car driving somewhere, generally it's like it's you know or, or any other time you know music that I listen to for ambience would be like like psychedelic music, um, yeah, crowd rock, shoegaze. Or like my, my favorite band in the world. I, um, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. I've been like that since I was about 15 when I first heard them. Um, another band I'm really, really into, uh, and I have been since I first got into them, was, was uh, the Black Angels. They're, you know, kind of close second. Uh, and I quite, I quite like the avant-garde stuff as well, like the, the kind of experimental end of like the Velvet Underground, like the kind of John, John Cale era stuff. Um, but at the minute, I'm hammering uh, Marcus King. Um, I've, yeah, I've been into him for quite a while. I mean, Jose went to watch him a few months ago and that was that was some show that's kind of like we, we were watching him like right we need to try and uh you know pull from this a little bit for the for the camp and furnace gig because that was like crazy and similar similar setup but it was like you know they had they had a few like kind of they had like gospel singers like a brass section there's about you know about 15 people on stage and just absolute virtuosity on all uh, on all counts and uh, so yeah that, that at the minute really 
So you mentioned some great acts there, but let me take you back, gents, to when you were younger lads and laying your cards out on the table. It's time to hear about your first records and first singles and complete honesty. And remember that there's no oh. such thing as a guilty pleasure on this podcast. It's just a pleasure. <laughs> Jack might mention, Jack might mention Madonna again in a minute. <laughs> That's not even a guilty pleasure. I'm well into that. Jack, I'll stick, I'll stick with you then, Jack. What was the first record you bought? You know what? I'm not ashamed of it. It's dead cool. The Prodigy. Uh, fat of the land, I went and got it on cassette in WH Smith, so I must have been about eight. I mean, I remember my dad being like, what the f***, what the f***, can I swear? Can I swear? Yeah, 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 yeah Jack, you can say anything you like, yeah. I blew my dad up here for swearing at him, I was like, what the f*** is he probably? <laughs> <laughs> all, that, all that bloody head banging shit. I mean, he's, uh, you know, I'm taking that out of him, he's into like, take that and James Blunt and that type of stuff, but yeah. Um, yeah, he was he was quite surprised by my my uh, my purchase at that time. But yeah, yeah, the Prodigy, uh, Fatherland, great album, love it. That is a great album, Mandy. What about you? Is as risque as the Prodigy, or was it was it slightly uh, less? Yeah, no, I don't think it was as uh, as mental as that really. But mine was. Um, I remember buying a CD of of, uh, of Joy Division Unknown Pleasures. Um, I know it's Kenny calls me a depressing bastard to be honest when we listen to Joy Division, but. It's my like pinnacle band for me. Like I loved them when I was growing up, so I, I remember buying that anyway. I'll keep it. I'll keep it sweet. It was just that. <laughs> I completely understand it as the bass player, right? Because the the bass lines in there are pretty fundamental to the actual songs. Yeah, definitely, especially playing high up because you couldn't hear the amp in the record in the rehearsal room that they practiced in because you could just hear like growling guitars. So you played really high up to get the higher frequencies to hear it, and that give them their sound. Essentially, playing like melodic, like high up bass lines, you know what I mean? It's just, it's something sprouted out of nothing, I guess, really. Yeah. And what about you, Mark? What was your first uh, your first record? The first one I actively sought out to buy, yeah. Um, I think it was AFI, the December Underground. Yeah. Yeah, Andy, Andy doing it. The horns. I forgot there's no video, there's no video on this, is there? But yeah, um, AFI, December Underground. Because uh, I remember... See it on Kerrang the first time. It was the first time I heard screaming in music. Because uh, the whole song is, most of the song is actually like, you know, it's a typical punk sort of song. It's a bit, it was their sort of like first mainstream sort of hit. So it was getting blasted on Kerrang and I think Skulls at the time and stuff like that. And the whole song's kind of got a typical punk sort of structure, but a very pop structure with a punk vibe. And then it just goes into this, this, this middle section where the singer starts screaming. I remember just feeling, oh, what's this? Like, what's going on here? And then I went out and got the album, and that was my first gig as well. But my first gig I actually wanted to go and see myself, like, and that was a bit of a gateway into the heavier stuff. Um, going from there, going through their back catalogue, hearing their earlier stuff, which was much more, much heavier and much punkier than than the newer stuff, like. So that was a bit of a gateway one for me as well. Yeah, it sounds like it. We do we do kids parties as well, by the way. <laughs> We're not always this. <laughs> it's all good so this, uh, this this podcast is all about you guys collating your fantasy festival are you guys big fans of festivals have you been to many so Jack Jack's yeah. running away Jack you a big festival fan yeah yeah I mean I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a bit long in the tooth now I don't get the opportunity as much as I'd like to these days but yeah back in the day that's all I used to do I used to go quite a few every summer uh, love it absolutely love it and what about you Andy you, you into festivals or not so much no not a chance I went to it. <laughs> <laughs> I need a shower and I need the toilet. That's what I need. I struggle when there's none of them. But I, um, we, we don't... 
we done uh, we done Kendall Corner recently, and uh, yeah, I remember I, like all the lads camped over, and I was just like, fuck, I don't know, I don't know. Possibly is fucking terrifying me, no chance. I was quite envious of you when you rocked up in a fresh set of clothes on the Saturday and me and Kenny have been there since like the Thursday and probably had about two hours kiff. <laughs> right. I wonder why everyone yeah. was standing there in fresh clothes for a yeah. <laughs> And Mark, what about you? You a big festival fan? Uh, um, no, but I think I could be. I think I've had a couple of bad festival experiences that kind of made me go, I'm not into this. Like, so I went to my first ever festival, I only been to two. My first one was when I was like 16 going to download and it was sick and it's one of my favourite memories. And then my next one was Leeds Fest when I was in uni and it was the worst experience in my life. Um, so a few of my favourite bands, but then it was just like, I think it was when festivals were starting to go through this trendy phase where it was just people off that like, I know you're on people, I know people go, to, I'm, I'm a bit boring, I'm not really into getting shit faced or anything like that. So it was just loads of people raving in the campsites, bringing their own, sure those people set up their own DJ, they're like, and so like so like pa systems in the campsite like i remember getting no fucking sleep uh, me um setting me tent up on a slow muddy slope because there was nowhere to camp and i got woken up on the sunday to someone going oh my god there's people in there and i put my head up the tent and there was an ambulance rolling backwards with two people holding up about to crush my tent with me in it and i just remember, I just remember going fuck this I'm, I'm 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 getting a hotel I'd go to that festival. I think, that but, I think I, but I think I could be because, like, you know, I hear things about like Glastonbury and 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 then Kendall was really good as well. I could imagine enjoying something like Kendall. I just didn't want to go to a festival again after that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. So, before we move on to your fantasy festival, do you guys have a favourite gig? Again, not as you playing, but as you kind of standing back watching a gig unfurl in front of you. So I start with you, Jack. Do you have a favourite gig at all, mate? Yeah, I do. It's, yeah, it was just the the era, I think. Like, sort of early noughties was great for me, like around 2005. Uh, like I said before, my, my favourite band, the Black Rebel, and I went to watch them in... I'd, I'd seen them, I've seen them loads, and I'd seen them quite a few times by this point. But uh, it was just... Um, it was actually amazing. So they, they, they were playing at the O2 in Liverpool. And again, this is how I got on some other kind of... <laughs> favourite band the Black Angels they they supported them in Liverpool and it was just they were both at a really like Black Angels were just starting out they were on their tour in Passover it's probably one of the first times they came to the UK and they were quite different then they were like more like the Black um, like the Velvet Underground than they are now they had like a drum machine player and like half a drum kit and you know, it was just like really really cool and then Black Rebel it was just it was one of the best times I've ever seen them they were they were touring Baby 81 at the time I think um, and it's just it's just such a cool gig. Like the, everything about it was just so moody. That the, the lights, they had this like brown light uh, with like with smoke, and all you could really see for the whole gig was their silhouettes. And they came out to like uh, My Wild Love by the Doors. Just everything about it was just amazing. Uh, so that very cool. Andy, what about you? Do you have a favourite gig at all? Mm, I don't know. To be honest, um, I've, there's a few obviously standout ones. I went to see um, the Art of Monkeys last album at the Cricket Club in Manchester. That was amazing. Because uh, to be honest. Surprise, like sort of support that as well was uh, well not surprise. It was surprise for me. I, I it's not really looked who was playing beforehand, and then the hives. Mm. First time I'd seen them live, and honestly God, it was unbelievable. It was like a someone just lit the blue touch paper on a live wire. You know what I mean? It just it, it just didn't stop all gig. Just like unbelievable, like great front man. Got the whole crowd going as well. Um, that was a bit of a standout one, um, and then. Yeah, probably that, to be honest. Of recent, anyway, there's, there's been a fair few. I went to see um first band I saw was uh, a band called Stiff Little Fingers, punk band. 
and just like I remember being fifteen, I think I was, and it was about one of my uh, one of my half mates, and they just fucking pushed me in this mosh pit, and I, honestly, I was just like a washing machine, like a small kid getting battered by these like <laughs> punks, and I was like. But the next day was great. I was in science and I was just sat there thinking, "Fucking well, better than being here." <laughs> <laughs> and that, that was probably when I got probably when I got the bug really of just like enjoying music. I guess just thinking it's it's just like escapism in it really. I guess. And what about yourself, Mark? Do you have a favourite gig at all? Yeah, that AFI gig again because like it was at a point where playing drums but not playing bands yet, and I had no idea how a gig happens. Like sort of like I knew I had no idea how what goes on behind the scenes or anything like that. So it was all new to me. So I wasn't going in with like, nowadays I'll go to a gig and sort of go, oh, expecting what order they're going to play the songs in or just trying to look at what gear they use and trying to like break down or how they're getting this sound, how are they getting that sound. I was going in pure, just like, I'm just into this. Like, and then another one that's always stuck out is Jimmy Eat Wales. For no reason then, it was just a boss gig. They just sounded great. Like I remember forgetting my earplugs and being a bit, oh God, I'm going to be wrecked tomorrow. And just the sound was so good. It was just like, didn't need it, didn't didn't feel like it'd be, it was damaging me here. It was just so well balanced and had a good volume and everything like that. And they were so tight. It was like listening to the album. So those, those were a couple that stick out for me. Like Great stuff. So a couple of great acts mentioned, a couple of great gigs. And now we'll move on to the fa- uh, Fantasy Festival element. So like I said, at the top of the podcast, for any first-time listeners, our guests tonight, so Mark, Jack and Andy, get to collect their Fantasy Festival. So they get to choose any five acts, one of whom must play one of their studio albums in full and they get to choose an encore, which can be any song that all five of their acts can perform together to end their fantasy festival. So very simple, five acts, five time slots. So like I said at the top, I had Ian Keon for episode 139. He created his Electifest fantasy festival in the last episode. In his opening act, he had a band called Shade On. Super Seconds had Casey Chambers. Midway Madness had Self Esteem playing her prioritised pleasure album. Pre-headline act had The Wedding Present. And for his headline act, had Billy Bregg on. And for his encore, he had all five of those acts play a Kirsty McCall medley. So very easy. But before we go through your five acts, gents, you need to give your fantasy festival a name and a venue. So any ideas on what you're going to call your fantasy festival? Yeah, we'll, we'll just pluck something off the top of our heads here. We've not thought about this at all, have we? <laughs> uh, so we're, we're going to go with... Take this one. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go with... THN, Who's the Nanny Fields? Um, and it's a bit of a nod to uh, Delta Shakedown because it's because it's so diverse. We were joking in the practice room saying that it's going to be like an episode of Jules Holland's Who's the Nanny because it, you know, it's so, yeah, uh, so out there. So, yeah, we're going to go with that, I think. Awesome. THN, Who's the Nanny Fields? Okay, the Hootin' Annie Fields. And you can hold this anywhere, gents. You can hold this in Liverpool. You can hold it outside the UK. You can go to wherever you want. We will follow you. Big, small, outside, inside whatever you guys like. Do you have a, a venue we're going to hold your fantasy f- festival in? I think did we land on um, the moon? Not being very imaginative here. We had, we, had, we had a couple of ideas that was like breaking reality a little bit, kind of like <laughs> taking existing venues and making them like mad capacity and things like that. But we, we, we played it quite safe in the end and said Sefton Park. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's more to it than that, Mark. I mean, like, you know, it's it's a, it, it's a place that really is very common to us all. I, I got married in Sefton Park. It's, you know, it's... Just, oh, I feel like a dick now. Thanks, Jack. No, I mean, we've, 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 we've been to festivals there. They have, they have lymph there. You know, we had a few funny experiences in that. And the last time I went there, I ended up... Uh, I said, I, I overdone it. Uh, the nine ended up in like in the fetal position in Kenny's like fold up wheelbarrow and just spewing on the floor, like trying to find my way through this sea of legs while like, <laughs> echoing the bunny metal playing. 
Oh, no. <laughs> I think that was. Uh, you, you, uh, we both there twice, I think. Uh, the, the Heavy North played there uh, one year, and I, I was in the band there. I went to watch. Um, but yeah, we've, we have, it's, yeah we've, it's it's a place that we've got in common, and it's nearby, and it can hold a, quite a few people. I love Jack saying he may have overdone it a little while being in the fetal position, spewing on the floor to echo the bunnyman. Amazing, great work. Hey, you've not seen him in yeah. worse positions, that's why. <laughs> yeah, that's quite mild, yeah. Great stuff. So before we talk about your five acts, gents, any acts who you want to shout out who you love but just aren't coming with us to the Hoot and Annie Fields? I'll, I'll, I'll throw a few. I think, I think I was joking saying, shall I just have this slot? <laughs> 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 this this could just be solely mine, but now we had but a couple of I threw in were um architects, like I think from paint or something, but metalcore, one of the earlier metalcore bands I kinda of go into I've seen them live a few times, like they were they were a, they were up there on my list of favourite bands. And then Thrice kinda of, again kind of like post hardcore y heavy ish, not that heavy nowadays, but like, you know, that was another one I threw up there. So they were my two missed acts that didn't make it to the bill. Like I saw the architects yeah, one, support um, Biffy Clyro earlier this year. They were excellent. They were really good. Uh, they're, they're, they're I think he's on one of the he's on one of the latest albums. Um, Simon Neal, isn't he as well? That was mad. Yeah, he features on one of the tracks. They were good. They were really good live. Much better than what I thought they'd be. They were excellent. Yeah, yeah. One for me that I, I, I was going to put in, but I didn't was uh, Alabama Shakes. I've been getting into them recently. Uh, some of their stuff's unbelievable. But I don't know. I, I picked I picked someone else that was like I've, I've already mentioned actually, but just purely because of how they are like as a live band. But yeah, Alabama Shakes would be incredible. Yeah, she's got an amazing voice. There's, there's a boss musician called Ron Gallo. If you've not heard of him as well, oh, I've yeah. listened to him. Yeah, fucking I've amazing. Been to him, like, it came off. It came on like some shuffle like playlist I was on anyway, like on Spotify, and it, it came on. He got a song called Young Lady. You're scaring me. Yeah, yeah, his voice and the guitar and that. It's just. Seconds and on, it's brilliant. He's, he's from Texas, and he, he supported uh, the Black Angels once when I went to see them. He's he's, he's boss. Is he? I didn't know he's from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a uh, there's a there's a great song called "Started a War." I think that's my favourite song by his. It's, it's it's awesome. He's got a great voice. Um, I went to see know, him. There it is. Hey, Jose. What's happening? <laughs> Jose. Did I not tell him what you were talking? Uh, sorry, it's Jose passed by. I said, "Do you want to say hi?" No, it's all right. Yeah. Yeah, Jack, going Jack back mentioned to... um, the Black Black Angels as well, which I'd, I'd put them back in, um, but um, I don't know whether he's putting them in anyway, to be honest, but I don't know if I found out, but um, I went to see them in Texas, actually, went to South by Southwest Festival, and um, they were playing in some hotel um, at like stupid o'clock in the morning, so yeah, they were boss. So some big acts aren't coming with us, we can only take five, so two o'clock then, time for the Hoot and Annie Fields to get underway, who's picking the opening act and who are you going to pick, gents? This this was my only requirement. I said I'm going to take the opener. I'm like the only kind of. Um, really no, I think that was a group thing. Oh, you know, like no, it's not. Like, hey, no, right, don't start giving this away. No, your cryptic messages. Right, <laughs> anyway, like any like, like any good sort of multi-band gig or festival or whatever, you know, you start off with an acoustic opener. Um, and I'm going with John Martin. Um, you know, it's that is his perfect balance for me. He's like obviously absolute guitar virtuoso, like mesmerising. Uh, but also like you know, uh, really pleasant kind of folk singer vibe as well. Uh, he's got some really upbeat songs, really cool songs. You know, people, you know, it's one for the guitarists to watch. And just yeah, particularly you know, if we had to get really specific, it's like late late seventies because he was you know he had it was many incarnations of John Mark and I'd say like you know late late seventies. I've seen some footage. 
um, where he played at uh, Rock Palace around about that time. And he did uh, you know, like a version of uh, Seven Black Roses, and he tells the story um, where he, he kind of put it together as a, as like a visual guitar solo to Wow Club owners and stuff like that. And I love that as well, like the storytelling in between, and the, you know, the, I was a man of man of the world and stuff. I think it'd be a great opener, anyway. Great stuff. So second time John Martin's been picked, he was picked ninety episodes ago by Ian Prowse from Pele, who had him as his midway man in sack. So. John Martin, back on the podcast, going to play your Man fantasy festival. Man of taste, indeed. Going to play from two till three. We'll take a half-hour break. Uh, that takes half three. It's time for your Super Seconds Act. So who's picking the Super Seconds Act and who are you picking, gents? I think I got the slot. And I'm, go- and I'm going with, I think I mentioned them earlier, I'm going with the Gaslight Anthem, one of my favourite bands. And again, and again, just because of all the bands I could pick that would be acceptable. This one, I feel like, is, is cool because... Again, that bluesy punk thing, it's 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 how I saw so when I picture how I fit into the band, they're a band that kind of pops into my head a little bit like oh with the me reference points in a way sometimes. So yeah, that that's uh Gaslight Sanfum, that's my pick for the second slot. Great shout. You gonna have play any songs in particular? I mean, I know quite a lot about Gaslight Anthem. I was a big fan around kind of American slang and fifty nine sound. Any songs that you oh, have yeah. to have and play, Mark? Any songs that you'd have to have and play? I think for this one, there's there's one there's one of the slots that have to play an album, don't they? Uh, I, I think I, I picked this one. I'd have them play all handwritten because that's that's the album that came out uh, uh, around the time I really like really really got into them properly. I was I, I remember getting them when Kerrang featured them when they did um, they had forty five hours, but then handwritten came out. And that's like that. It just stuck with me that album. Uh, it's one of my favourites. So I'd, that all of handwritten. I'd have them play. Great shout. So Gaslight Anthem also making their second fantasy festival appearance. They're going to play from half past three to half past before your fantasy festival. It's like another half hour break that takes us to your midway madness slot. The band gonna play from five till six. So who's gonna play in your midway madness slot? I got this one. I picked the hives again just for the energy they've got when they're on stage. It's just they, they look the part already in like the sort of lightning bolt suits, like sort of um, all uniform. And then it's even if you've never seen them, don't know any of their songs. It's just like watching a firework display. It's unbelievable. So yeah, they. Got that swap definitely. I know of the hives. I've never seen them live, but everyone, everyone who has seen them live, always says you've got to see this band live because they are just unreal. He sort of fell off the radar a little bit for me. Like obviously doing that sort of hate to say I told you so, and everyone and and, and the dog sort of knew that song at one point, and then they've just released a new album, um, and they've got a song on there called Bogus Operandi, and it's yeah, it's quality. But yeah. It, Amazing, yeah. so it did get the crowd going as well. Yeah, absolutely would. So again, the Hive second time have been picked for a fantasy festival. They're going to take your midway man in the slot and play from five till six. So three acts down, got two acts to go. Yeah, uh, fourth act is going to be your pre-headline act. They're going to play from half past six to eight o'clock. So who are going to be your pre-headliners? This is the one that we all tried to align on. We kind of we were talking about before. We we're like, no, what have we got? What have we got in common? And uh, Mark pointed out it's the Black Keys. Like we we're all well into the Black Keys. Um, I remember like the first time I got into them, it was like uh, I think Magic Potion, that kind of era. I remember like, one of the music channels I had um, just got to be on the telly, and it was like, wow, I need to I need to get some records by these like the guitar tone and the, the dynamic with the two. And I love two piece bands and kind of a lot of basic guitar as well. And I remember, I remember seeing them. I, I, from then, I kind of watched them progress. I remember seeing them at Glastonbury in like two thousand and eight when they were touring Brothers. I think it was two thousand and eight, and that's when they really hit like commercial success. Then that's when like everyone was onto them. But yeah, we've all we all we're all banding to the Black Keys. That's one we share. 
Any tracks you'd have to have? Obviously, I've got a massive catalogue now because they've been around for quite a long time. Any songs, again, yeah. you'd have to have the Black Keys play? Thick Freakness. Sorry, go on. No, go on, mate, go on. But yeah, I'd throw that one in, Thick Freakness. Yeah, for me, it would be uh, Heavy Soul or Little Black Submarines, just because it's got a bit of everything in that one as well. That's a great shout. So Black Keys are going to be your pre-headliners. Again, they make their second Fantasy Festival appearance and will be your pre-headline act. So they're going to give us an hour and a half, play till eight o'clock. We'll take one more half hour break and it'll be time for your headline act, gents, who are going to get two and a half hours to headline your Fantasy Festival. Andy is shaking his head. Andy's not a happy man. I'm interested. This fella, right, who's been picked is like <laughs> fucking shit on a blanket. He gets everywhere. <laughs> I must confess, after uh, 140 episodes, this is the first time a guest has called their headliner shit on a blanket. He gets everywhere. You've, you've really built this up, Andy. <clears throat> Maybe cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. It's good. <laughs> oh, we went for it. Uh, we, we collectively all strongly decided that it would be uh, now Rogers and Sheik because... It's just a great, you know, every, every time you watch, I mean, someone had ever asked on the word with him beforehand and say, look, like, don't tell everyone about how much money you've got. We don't care how many grammys you've got, just, just play the music. Right, and like, but you can't help but have a good time watching them, like, no matter who you are, you know, it's, it's just, I mean, I've, I've seen him at festivals loads and I just, I remember, like, even Kendall, when we played Kendall, he headlined on the first night and I woke up, like, with sore hips, I was gyrating that much. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a yeah. It's it's a, it's a crowd pleaser. So we just, no, obviously this, this festival is never going to blow. We're all too like we're too in what we listen to. So we just thought we'd just do everyone a favour and stick him on. I guess yeah. I, I guess like now Rogers, you get like loads of different acts for the price of one, right? Because he's written so many different iconic songs he throws in so many different acts to the mix, like Duran Duran. You get a bit of Prince. You get a bit of Shaka Khan. And like. There's a whole heap of stuff he'll he'll end up playing. Yeah, bit of Bowie as well. Yeah. Still stand by my statement, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he turned up at the Taylor Hawkins gig I went to last year and ended up playing, like, Let's Dance with loads of, like, different rock people. Yeah, yeah. Josh Josh Harmon. Josh Harmon, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it was mental. I went to that gig as well. It was amazing. That was an amazing gig. That was literally a fantastic As close as you're ever going to get to a fantastic That was ridiculous, Saki. That was a great one. So... Noel, Rogers and Sheik make their third Fantasy Festival appearance. They're going to play two and a half hours. And at 11 o'clock, they're going to bring back out on stage the Black Keys, the Hives, Gaslight Anthem and John Martin. And they all get to play one song that you collectively are going to tell them to play. Heavy North can come out as well, if you guys want to come out and jam with them. It's all good. But what song are you going to have all your Fantasy Festival uh, acts to play? Come on, do you want to play this did we pick one? I don't know who picked one, did we? I can't remember. Yeah. Jack, I think for, uh, honestly, I can't remember. All, Jack, I think you said We all strongly decided together, and those two are just <laughs> wagging that I can't remember. Uh, the specials, uh, you're wondering now. In fact, they didn't actually, they didn't do the original, did they? But you're, you're wondering now, it's just like the best last song of any kick ever. That it uh, just fits, like, and it, you know, the, the theme. It's a quite, it's quite, it sounds like quite a dark song, like lyrically, but, you know, it's. When, when in the context of representing a gig, it's it, you know it's, it's great and it's yeah the best last song ever I think. All right, that's so probably a band. When you said before like a band, sorry I didn't mean to cut you off there, mate. But um, when you said a band that like maybe didn't make the festival, when you said the specials to like early on today, I was like, yeah, like hundred percent, like that was a band like I'd, I'd, it was a band I never seen, but got to meet Terry Hall. But like I, I, I wish I'd seen them live. What a band! 
Yeah, I've, I've grown to really like them as well. I think through you, actually, Andy, I think you've uh, probably put me onto them. I've never been into, like, Scar and Reggae and that type of stuff, um, but I really like the specials. How did you meet Terry Hall, Andy? I must ask before we wrap this one up. How did you meet Terry Hall and what was he like? It's all right, yeah. It's, it's, it's cool. And it's, um, he, I, I used to work at, a, uh, like, a live events company and um, he came in to, like, look at, like, some pre-production stuff and he was just in the warehouse there, basically. So, yeah, got to... Uh, Stand by, stand by, and so it's a bit, a bit, a bit like childish. While whilst he walked past, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing stuff. So let's lock your fantasy festival in. So we've got Hootenanny Fields taking place at Sefton Park. Opening act, we've got John Martin. Super Sec has got Gaslight Anthem, and they're going to play their album Handwritten in Full. Midway Madness, we've got the Hives. Pre-headline act, we've got the Black Keys. Your headline act going to be Nile Rogers and Sheik. And to finish your fantasy festival, they're all going to play. You're wondering now. Gents, are you happy to lock that one in to the Fantastical Vaults? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I've got to say, that was a lot more coordinated than the uh, rest of your bandmates episode. That was beautifully done in your fantasy festival. Clear thought had gone into it, so I can only commend you chaps for a wonderful fantasy festival. So before we finish this one, gents, like we said, you've got the album coming out in three weeks. It's almost upon us. What are your plans for the future? I mean, I know we've got the gigs to talk about. I mean, what are your hopes for the album? What are your plans for the future? Where do you see the Heavy North, I guess, in the next 12 months? It's not going to be a bigger, <laughs> bigger, bigger, better gig this time. Yeah. That's all I, I think I think just, yeah, I think just hopefully, hopefully ramp up. Hopefully people like the album and the gigs just, and the gigs just keep getting hopefully bigger and better and we just push on with it. I don't, I don't think there's any plan further than that. So, yeah, that's all we're really hoping for. So we've got the album. Delta Shakedown. We've got loads of gigs. Again, let's plug this, the website in and tell people where they can go if they haven't pre-ordered the album yet or where they can go to get gig tickets. So shout out whatever you want. You can shout out the website or the socials, wherever you want to push. Here's the opportunity, Jen. So where can people find you to purchase the album or any Heavy North gig tickets or merch or anything that they need from you? Uh, you can find everything to do with The Heavy North at theheavynorth.com, the best place to find all the links to all the merch, tickets, uh, all the social media links. Yeah, that'd be that'd be your first port of call for anything heavy north, heavynorth.com. The heavy north dot com. Sales pitch. Hey someone someone's gotta be professional here, Jack. <laughs> 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 that, that was a bit. <laughs> so that is it. What a way to end it. And thanks to everyone for listening to the hundred and fortieth episode of the Fantastical Podcast. If you've enjoyed this one, please subscribe. You can give the Fantastical Podcast a review on iTunes. Or you can give us a follow on Spotify and also rate the show and also comment on the episode on Spotify, which is a fairly new feature. So make sure to do that if you haven't done so already. As well as the Heavy North being on Twitter, so are the Fantastical Podcast. So if you don't give us a follow, make sure to do so at Fantastical P. And if you're not on Twitter and want to contact the podcast, you can do that at fantasticalpodcast at outlook.com. Unfortunately, we don't play music on this podcast, but I'll get some tracks uh, from the guys about the acts they've mentioned. I'll make a nice little Spotify playlist for anyone who hasn't heard any of the songs that may have been spoken about on this episode. So, Andy, Mark, Jack, a massive thank you for making the time as a, a triple header to come on the Fantastical Podcast. How have you, how have you found it? Well, thanks for having us, mate. I, I, yeah, it's great. I remember talking to you in the water rats and saying how excited I was to do this. I don't normally, um, I don't normally enjoy doing interviews, but it's been great. I'm sickly, sickly prior to to Delta Street now. I think we only have a lot to talk about because it wasn't on. <laughs> it wasn't part of the recording process. Not yeah. I was just, I was just, there, just not saying anything for the most part. So it's nice to be able to contribute, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm yeah, saying I'm usually, uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Mark. Well, I didn't mean to cut you off there, mate. 
I think there's a bit of no, a delay on, on yours in particular, so like, we seem to like go... Has it, has it been bad? <laughs> no, 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 it's been okay. No, it's no, been fine. Yeah. I, I don't have to say, I've actually got no Wi-Fi, I'm only 4G. <laughs> I've had to hack it today. Nice. Yeah, no, I've loved uh, it, mate. Thanks for having us on. I'm usually washing my hair when, when these things happen, but uh, it was good to get involved, definitely. Mate, a band's only as good as its rhythm section. And, you know, you boys are top. So <laughs> I wish you all the luck for the future. I can't wait to hear Delta Shake Down. I'll see you next time you boys are in the capital. So thank you to Andy, Mark and Jack, like I said. I'll be back next week with episode number 141. So please make sure to join me for that one. But until then, stay safe, my Fantastical friends. Please continue to spread the word. And that word is Fantastical. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.